This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. All right, so last night, this is the, last night I gave this shit to the boys. It took me an hour and 40 minutes um, to totally give over the share. I'm not going to be doing that tonight, of course. Um, it's a very deep share. You have to concentrate. It's not one of my fluffy, funny shiurim. It's very Kabbalistic. It's very deep. I think it's very important in everybody's life. I've never spoken about this before. And um, so when I left the shear last night, so one of the boys went over to me and he said, oh, Rabbi Wallace, you're not going to give that shit to the girls. They're never going to understand what you're talking about. I, like, I said, excuse me, they'll understand it more than you guys understood it. So no, I'm not worried about that. All right. So there's really two parts that I have to talk about. I have to talk about Beratius and I have to talk about Noah because we missed Beratius. It was the Shabbos right after Simchas Torah. So we didn't give it, have a chance to give a share in Beratius. And we didn't speak about Noah. So we're going to speak tonight about both of them. Now, they're, 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 I'm talking about crazy deep stuff tonight. So you're, you're going to walk away with questions. I'm, I'm telling you that right now. Don't try to figure out everything um, because last night there was a lot of questions during my shear, and that's probably why it took such a long time. There's just stuff, some stuff you just might have to ingest and say, okay, uh, all right, fine. You know, I, I don't have to really understand the whole thing. But you, we're definitely going to try to understand, all of us together, including me, we're going to try to understand the concept. So, let's go to Beratius. Are we, are we good? Let's go to Beratius. On the first day of creation. So on the first day of creation, it says... Baruch Elokim, Bereshis Bara, right? Baruch Sayyavavayu, it was uh, void, mixed. V'choshech al-Panei Sarayim, Baruch Elokim, Rachefes al-Panei Amayim, and the Spirit of God was floating on top, sort of, not floating, the Rachefes, flying, on top of the waters. Hovering. What? Ha- hovering, right. On top of the waters. Vayom Elokim, Hiyar, Vayhiyar. And Hashem said there should be light, and there was light. Now, if that's the case, that Hashem said there should be light, and there was light, then how could it say on the fourth day, Hashem created two luminaries, right? Two suns, actually. They were both equal. It was like a planet that has two suns. Of course, we know what happened to one of them, the moon, which became much smaller. But why would Hashem create the sun if there's already light. If on the first day, he created light, it says, and he saw that the light was good. So if there was light, why well, do you need the sun on the fourth day? So, so it's a famous question. And Rashi says the following. Rashi says that when Hashem created the world, he put a light into the world that was very, very bright, and that under that light, nothing would ever die. Nothing would rot, nothing would spoil, Everything would stay fresh. Humans would live forever. Under that light, there was, there was, there was, there, there's no spoiling. There's no rottenness. There's no, there, there's no death. And Hashem saw that there are going to be people in the world that are not good. They're going to be Rishon. And if they're going to live under this light, they're going to do their bad things and never die. And they're going to do their bad things for hundreds and thousands of years. So Hashem said, no good. This light is too healthy for the world. It's, it's no good. So I got to put it away. So Hashem took, after 36 hours, He took the light, and it's called, it's famous, it's called the Arhat Ganuz. 
it's the hidden light, and he hid that light that he created on the first day, that he brought into the world on the first day, he hid it. Where did he hide it? Right? Where did he hide it? Oh, God knows. It's a hidden light. You put it in a closet. So there's a lot of Kabbalistic teachings. One of them says he hid it in the Torah. The hidden light is in, was given, put into the Torah, and in all the parts of the Torah is that hidden light, and that's what gives life to the world. And if you ever look at Sadiq and their faces are lit up, and the Karen R of Moshe Rabbeinu, and, and the, the, the light that was in the world is now hidden totally in the Torah. That's one. Then it's always brought down that it was 36 hours, and there's 36 candles for Hanukkah. If you add up the candles the first night, the second night, the third night, you use 36 candles, and that the 36 hours of the hidden light are in the candles of the Hanukkah menorah. Question. It took God 36 hours to figure out that the light was no good for the world. He knew that before he brought it into the world. So, either leave it, right, or don't put it into the world in the first place. I, I teach Tuesday here in, in our in Ateras Nava in, in, uh, in the seminary. So, so I, I, I said to the girls, I'm like, imagine Rabbi Wallstein comes to give shear, right, at 11.30, give shear, and I have 30 girls in my class, and I bring 30 hockey sticks. I come to shear, the shear's right here, and I walk in carrying 30 hockey sticks, and I put them down on the floor. And I'm about to give the shear, and I'm like, what do, what do I bring hockey sticks here for? This is a girls' class. I'm here to teach Chumash. Why, why do I bring hockey sticks? That doesn't make any sense. And I go and I pick up the 36, the 40 hockey sticks, and I put them into this closet. And the girls are like, what did the rabbi drink last night? Why would he bring 40 hockey sticks to a girls' class on Chumash? And it's a great question. What am I doing? So, because they don't belong here. So, if what Rashi says is true, that Hashem said that the light is no good for the world, what did you bring it here in the first place for? You brought it to hide it? You never had to bring it. Hashem doesn't make mistakes. God doesn't make mistakes. Sounds like he made a mistake. Okay, let's try this out. Mmm, light. Eh, got to think about this. 36 hours later, he's like, nah, no good. Let's take the light and put it away. That's what happened. So the question is, What's going on over here? That was the first day. So the first day didn't work out exactly as planned, right? What was the great? What was, what was Hashem doing on the first day? Hashem was creating light. That's the first day. And then what did he do? He took the light and he hid it forever. So it didn't work out. First day didn't work out. Okay. Second day. Second day was such a bad day. It was like a bad day. That every single day of creation, it says, Kitov. Hashem looked at the day and he said, nice, good, I did good. On the second day, Hashem didn't say Kitov. The only day. He didn't say Kitov. It was the second day. He didn't say it was good. It was a bad day. Why was it a bad day? What did he do on the second day? On the second day, Hashem took the water, the world was water, and he separated it. He, made, he took some water and he put it in the heavens, and he put the rest of the water down on this world. Havdalah, separation, separation is not a good bria. It's not a good creation. People get separated, it's a divorce, chas right? Separation. So on the second day, God brought 
the idea and the being of separation into the world, and God said, no good. I'm not calling it Kitav. Now, what happened by God doing this? He separated himself from us because he created Shamayim. Shamayim, there is the water. Shamayim, the Shamayim. Shamayim, there is the water. And he created what's called Shamayim, and that's where he lives. He lives in the heavens, and we live on the earth. Hashamayim, Shamayim. Hashem. Hashem. We're separated. We live on the land. He lives in Shamayim. He caused the separation. That's not good. So the second day, girls, there's no key type. Okay. First day didn't work out. Second day didn't work out. Third day. So Kajbach on the third day creates trees. Hello, Nancy. How are you? Usually I don't beat you. See, this 8 o'clock thing is serious. No problem. No problem. So, what happened on the third day? So the third day happened like this, which is a very big question. So I'm just going to, I'm going to try to answer a little bit tonight. Third day happened like this. Hashem said, I, I'm creating trees, and I want the trees, right? If you look at the Pasuk, the, the wood of the tree, the bark of the tree, should taste like the fruit of the tree. So when Hashem created the world on the third day, He said, I don't want an orange tree only to give oranges. I want that if you cut a piece of wood off the orange tree and you chew it, it should taste like the orange. Apples, pears, plums, cherries. The cherry tree should taste like the cherries. You want to make a tea? You take a flower off a cherry tree, you drop it in your hot water, that you should have cherry tea. That's what Hashem told the malach of the trees. I'm creating a tree that tastes like, like the fruit. What happened? A crazy thing happened on the third day. They didn't listen. The trees didn't listen. What do you mean the trees didn't listen? The trees didn't listen, and they grew, and the wood of the tree did not taste like the fruit of the tree. The malach of the tree did not listen. And all that came out of the tree was the fruit of the tree, except for one tree. The only tree that the wood of the tree, the bark and wood of the tree, tasted like the fruit of the tree was the Eitz Hadas. The Eitz Hadas, says the Gemara, to the three of Machlaikas, whether it was grapes, so then it wasn't a tree, or it was wheat, it wasn't a tree, but if it was a tree, it was an estric tree. An estric tree is the only tree that if you cut the wood of the estric tree and bite it, it tastes like the estric, even to this day. Now, how do you know that? We'll get to it soon. When you come to the tree, you'll see that the Nachash told Chava, Hashem said you can't eat from the eights. You can't eat from the wood, but you can eat from the pre. He fooled her. So we'll get to that. All right. So first day, Hashem put out the light. He took it back. Second day, he didn't even say Kitav. Third day, he tried to create a tree that should taste like the fruit. It didn't work out. So the first three days, stuff didn't work out. I mean, with all respect, Hashem, you shouldn't be angry at me. But if I was building a house, I, I don't know. If I'd ask you to build a house for me, so far, three things that you started doing uh, didn't work out. You know, the lighting system in the house, and all of a sudden, the next day, the builder says, no, take all the wires out. We're rewiring the house. Right? Trees didn't work out. So far, nothing worked out. And the biggest question is, 
How could that be? He's God. How could something not work out? Okay, that's three out of three. The fourth day. Yeah, third day is keto. But, but, but the trees didn't grow. He said keto. Every day he says keto, except the second day. But the, it didn't, they didn't listen. So the roses came out good, and the grass came out good. But the trees didn't listen, whatever that means. How could a tree not listen? We're going to get to it. Okay. It's also a question that I'm asking that I'm going to answer. How could a tree not listen? Hashem told the Malach, the angel of the tree, I want the bark of the tree to taste like the fruit. So the angel said, no. Like, he's, he cannot not listen. An angel doesn't have Bechira. An angel doesn't have choice, right? Does an angel have choice? He has to do what he's told. An angel doesn't have choice. Definitely a tree doesn't have choice. That's for sure. So how could Hashem command the tree to do something and it not listen? That doesn't make sense. That whole medrash doesn't make sense. We're going to try to explain it. Now let's go to the fourth day. Right? Things are not going so good. The fourth day says like this. HaKadosh Baruch Hu created Eshnei HaMairis HaGedoy Lim. He created the two large luminaries, says the Pasuk. Esamar HaGadol, the big one, Limshalas Bayom, to be by day. Esamar HaKatan, the small one, to be there at night. One second, one second. The beginning of the Pasuk, you said God created two large luminaries. Now you're describing the two large luminaries, and you're saying, the big one? By day. The small, what small one? Where's small one? You just said you created two big ones. Where's the small one come in? Right? Where, where'd that come from? So we all know the story. Everybody knows the story. That the moon complained. Yes. Someone's blocking. No, we didn't say that. Uh, Shalema. Oh, for the kids. Okay. Yitzhak Isaac Ben Chana and Ethel. Ethel? Ethel Bas Chana. Should have a Rafur Shalema. They should be in school this week, Amen. So, Yitzchak. Isaac, Ben, Chana, and Etel Bas Chana. So now listen to the question. So the question is, hold on. First of all, we learn in school that the moon, what happened? The moon came to Hashem, and the moon said, I want to be, you can't have two kings in one kingdom. So I want to become bigger than the sun. Right? What's so bad about that? The answer is that if the moon would have just said, I want to be bigger, Hashem would have made him bigger. But because he said, I want to be bigger than the sun, he got punished. You walk into a, you walk into Bloomingdale's, and you walk into Bloomingdale's, so the, the minute you walk in, they have the perfume, and, and then they do all these free makeups. You know, women go there to get these free makeups, right? They're all these makeup artists, right? So this girl's online, and this other is doing free makeup, and this woman does a great job, and the girl walks away, and she looks absolutely stunning, and this other girl's now next, and she comes up to the makeup lady, Right? And she could say, wow, you did a great job. I, I'd like you to make, make me up and make me look beautiful. Nothing wrong with that. I'd like you to make me look very beautiful. Nothing wrong with that. I'd like you to make me look more beautiful than you did for her. That's kinna, and that's an avera, and that's wrong. You want to be beautiful? Okay. What? You want to be more beautiful than her? So it has nothing to do with you. For instance, right? Hashem, if, you, if this guy is going to be seven feet tall... I want to be eight feet tall. If this guy's going to be five feet tall, I want to be six feet tall. If this guy's going to be three feet tall, I want to be four feet tall. What do you mean? You said you want to be eight feet tall. No, it's not about me being eight feet tall. It's about me being one foot taller 
than this other person. So what the moon, the Aveira of the moon was, that it didn't say, I want to be bigger. It said, I want to be bigger than the sun. So if you make the sun smaller than me, I'm happy. You hear? Listen carefully. So what the moon was saying to Hashem, I want to be bigger than the sun. You don't need to make me bigger. But make him smaller. You know the famous story, Kinnah and Sinnah going for a walk? Kinnah is jealousy, and Sinnah is hatred. They're going for a walk. One guy is Kinnah, he's, he, he's jealous of everyone. The other guy is Sinnah, he hates everyone. So they're going for a walk, and they meet the king. And the king says to Kinnah and Sinnah, listen, whatever one of you asks me for, I'll give the other one double. So Kinnah's like, I'm not going to ask for anything if he's going to get double. I'm not going to ask for a million dollars because he's jealous. Kinnah is jealousy. If I'm going to ask for a million, he's going to get two million. So Kinnah doesn't ask for anything. Sinnah's like, I'm not asking for anything. I don't want him to get double of, of me. So the king's standing there and the two of them are not asking for anything. They can ask for a billion dollars. But it bothers him. If I get a billion, he gets two million. And the king knew this. So that's why he challenged them. He said, whatever the one asks me, the other one gets double. So they're both standing there and the king says, listen, I'm giving you another 30 seconds. I'm giving you another 30 seconds. If you don't ask me for anything, it, it's over. I'm not going to give you anything. So Kinnah is standing. Listen to unbelievable marshal. The Dogma Maggot says. Kinnah is jealousy. Kinnah is standing there and he's thinking, he goes to the king. I know what I want. The king says, what? He says, I want you to knock out one of my eyes. It's not about you knocking out one of my eyes. But if you knock out one of mine, then you're, gonna ha- then you're gonna knock out both of his. And that's what makes me happy. That's kinna. And that's what the moon did over here. The moon said, I don't want to be bigger. I want him to be smaller. I want to be bigger than him. So Kush Baruch Hu said, an unbelievable lesson. So in school we learn, okay, Hashem shrunk the moon. No. Much worse. Hashem killed the moon. The moon gives no light. It gives no light. Zero light. Whatever you see coming from the moon is a reflection of the sun. So the punishment of the moon was not only did it become smaller than the sun, it became nothing. It became a reflection of the sun. What's the lesson? Very deep psychological lesson. That a person who lives their whole life jealous of other people Oh, she has $100, I want $200. She has a, a house with four bedrooms, I want six bedrooms. She has a house with six bathrooms, I want eight bathrooms. You can only sit on one toilet at a time, doesn't matter. Just you and your husband, two people, you need eight bathrooms, doesn't matter. My neighbor has seven, doesn't matter. What, you're going to go every day to a different bathroom? Shop's going to have one bathroom? No, you're both going to use the bathroom in the master bedroom. No, it doesn't matter. There has to be bathrooms all over my house. Why? Because the person next door has it. So your whole life, right, is just about being like the Joneses. I gotta have more than her, I gotta have more than her, I gotta be smarter than her, I gotta be richer than her, my husband has to be better looking than him, my kids have to be dressed better than her. Your whole life is living by other people. What happens to you when you live your life like that, girls? You don't become a smaller person, you become a reflection. All you are is a reflection of all the people that you're reflecting off. You lose yourself, you lose your being, you become the moon. You become just a reflection of the sun. You lose your whole life. Where do you learn that from? What happened on this day? What happened on the fourth day? We learn because the moon lost its light. It just became a reflection because it wanted to be better than the sun. What an amazing lesson.
But, I don't understand. A malach doesn't have a Yetzirah. A malach is not jealous. How could you tell me a story that the malach of the moon came in front of Hashem, he was jealous of the sun, and he said, I want to be bigger than him. Well, malachim are not humans. You have a Yetzirah. There's no Ten Commandments for them. Don't, do not be jealous. So how could this malach have been jealous? How could the malach of the tree not listen to Hashem? How do we understand that a malach, the representation of the moon, was jealous? We're going to answer every single question. So right now, four out of five days didn't work out. First day, the light had to be put away, right? The, the third day, the fruit uh, didn't work out. The fourth day, the, the what's it called, the moon, the moon and the sun didn't work out, right? So pretty much every single day didn't work out. The second day, what happened on the second day, um, there was no ketov. So now, the fifth day worked out, Baruch Hashem. Sixth day, bad day. Bad day for the Jews. Sixth day, Adam ate from the Eitzadas. The biggest Avera, the first Avera happened on the sixth day. So, five out of the six days of creation, stuff didn't work out. And we're talking about God. Stuff didn't work out. How could that be, girls? How could that be? He's perfect, and whatever he creates is perfect. How could there be such a mess up? Five out of six days, the builder didn't work out. At the end of the six days, the Pusik says, Hashem saw everything that he did. Looking back at the six days of creation, Hashem saw that it was very good. Tov ma'od, it was very good. So the question on this Pasuk is, why does it say, Vayar Elohim es kol It should say in the Pasuk, Vayar Elohim Hashem saw es asha'asa, everything that he made, v'hinei tov ma'od, and it was very good. Of course he saw everything that he made. Why do you need the word kol? Why is the word kol? Kol is called a reboy. It's bringing in something extra. He saw something extra that he created that was tov ma'od, that was very good. No. The lesson here is, and that's the lesson of, of all these questions, what it's supposed to lead us to, is that Hashem wanted to show us, of course he didn't have to put the Ar Haganus and then say, oh, it doesn't belong here. He didn't have to put that out there in the first place. Of course he didn't have to do that. And the Malach, how could he not listen to Hashem? Actually, the answer is, he did Hashem's will. Hashem's will was the shlichus of the malach, what he was supposed to do was to say, I want to be bigger than the sun. Therefore, Hashem would make the moon just a reflection in order to teach us to learn a lesson. So it looks like went wrong. Oh my gosh, there's supposed to be two big bulbs in my house and now one's big and one's small was really what was supposed to happen. So it's not that the malach had Bechira, had a choice, and he went after his Yetzirah, and he said, I want to be a big shot. Hashem, that was his shlichus, that was the Malach shlichus, was to say, I want to be bigger, so he would be made smaller, so we would learn the lesson. So what's this Vayar, it's called Hashem, so everything, is to teach us, especially women, it's a very big lesson for women, because women are perfectionists, most of them. Everything has to be perfect. 
I understand. Your briefcase has to be neat. Your bed has to be made. The cubbies have to be clean. Men are huh, a whole different breed. And, and women like that when you, make, when you have a plan, when, you write your, before you go to, when you're up at night at 2 in the morning and you have your notebook on your lap there and you, before you're in the middle of sleeping and you write your lists. Women have lists. Men have no lists. They have lists. Right, and they write their list of what they have to shop and what they have to cook and what the kids have to do and tomorrow I have to do this and I have to do that and you have this whole list. And the biggest bracha that you can give a woman is that the next night before she goes to sleep everything on that list is checked off. <laughs> she is the happiest woman in the world. If there's one thing on that list that isn't checked off she can't sleep. It's a different bria. We don't even write the list because we know we're never going to check off anything on the list. So, Akash Baruch is teaching us over here that when things don't work out the way you plan them to work out, they are just as good as when the things do work out. So the Pasuk is telling us that HaKadosh Baruch Hu looked at HaKol, at everything, at the failures in creation, at, at, at the successes in creation, the HaKol, all of it is Taifmai. It's all the same. It's all very good. The stuff that didn't work out and the stuff that did work out. Because the stuff that didn't work out really worked out. Because a lot of things that don't work out, work out in our life really worked out in our life. So there's this girl, and right before Yom Kippur, she went out on her ninth date, and it was mamish amazing. She was, you know, my rule is ten dates, minimum. You don't get engaged till the tenth date. After the tenth date, you want to go 15, 16, 20, I don't care. But no getting engaged, eighth, seventh, sixth, eighth, I'm into, I mean, that's my thing, I'm into ten dates, for whatever reason. So, she's one of my tummy dots. She went out on her ninth date. The guy's cute. The guy's rich. The guy learns. He's like the perfect guy. So she thinks. Okay? Their, their tenth date is Matze Yom Kippur. That's their tenth date. Now this girl went through some stuff in her life. She, sta- she stands the whole Neila. She had a Tanis Dibber. She didn't speak the whole Yom Kippur. She mamish davened and cried to Hashem, a whole Yom Kippur, that the Shidduch should work out, and she knows for sure that Mate Yom Kippur he's proposing. Because they discussed already, she had told him that if she, if she is going to get engaged, if he is going to propose, that she would love to be engaged for Yom Kippur, then she can go to his house, and he can go to her house, otherwise they can't, whatever it is. She was very excited. That's it. Mate Yom Kippur, that's it. Right? Walsh's rule, 10 days, it's going to happen. So she goes out with him, Matzah Yom Kippur. And she goes out with him, and they're in the car, and they have their date, and he pulls up to her house, and she's waiting. She's butterflies in her stomach the whole time. And he turns to her and he says, I thought about us a lot, Yom Kippur. Great. Now you're supposed to be davening, but okay. Thought about us a lot, Yom Kippur, and I, and I don't want to hurt you, uh-oh, but I just don't have any feelings. I, it's just, it's, I just don't think we should continue. It's just, just not going to work. Oh my goodness. From the high of highs, from being proposed to, from going into Yontif, engaged, to a smack in the face. What? She, she, she couldn't answer him. She, she, she was like, okay, good night. She walked out. And of course cried the whole night. What's the Yom Kippur? I don't understand, Hashem. I don't understand. What'd you do here? There's no way that he was thinking about that before, you, like, like the Yom Kippur. We were talking mushki, mushki, pushki, mushki, you know, good stuff. You know, it was all good stuff. Mushy, mushy stuff. 
There's no way. What happened on Yom Kippur? You punished me for taking a Tanis Dibur for Davani? What did you put into his head? Because I don't understand you. Her whole plan didn't work out. Didn't work out. She's very upset. She's very tzibrochen. Now let's go to Shemayim. Let's go to Shemayim. This girl did some bad stuff when she was in her teens. Some really bad stuff. Whatever, never. She made mistakes. She came back. She did tshuva. But there's consequence to everything. And the shidduch that she was going to marry in Shemayim was a very abusive guy. A guy with a temper. A guy that was abusive. Happened to have been this guy that she was going out with. But he hid it very well because guys know how to do that. And he seemed to be the sweetest guy in the world. But the day after the marriage, he would have started beating her and abusing her and who knows what. Kapara, Gilgul, for whatever reason, why it happened, Gansamisis. But she stood a whole Yom Kippur and she cried to Hashem and she did a Tainus Dibur and Hashem said, rip up the Gzeira. Rip up the Gzeira. I'm not letting her marry this guy and suffering the rest of her life. Such a girl, such a tshuva, rip up the Gzeira. But you got a guy that's about to get engaged to her. He's standing there on Yom Kippur. He's in love. Go down and get into his head. She's the wrong girl. And the whole Yom Kippur, the Malach's whispering in his ear. Bah! You don't like her. Bah! You don't have no feelings. Till finally, once Yom Kippur, he stood there and said, this is not working. It's over. She doesn't know that. So the Torah comes to tell us that in creation, changing your mind, bringing out the sun and taking it back, don't think that's a bad thing. Kol Hashem Vayar, Kol Hashem saw everything. Kitov, changing your mind, girl, sometimes, and you think, he changed his mind, I can't believe it. It's good. Had he not changed his mind, she would have been never married to this guy for the rest of her life. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is showing us in, in godliness perfection that things that don't go the way you planned. The sun didn't come out the way it's planned. The tree didn't come out the way it was planned. Changed my mind. I took back what I put out. It's just as perfect as the things that come out that you plan perfectly. And that's the lesson of why all these things, of course they didn't have to happen. Well, that's the lesson of why all these things happened in, in creation. But the question still exists. Now we understand the moon, and we understand the Arhaganos, but the question still exists. The tree. How did the tree, right? How did the tree not listen? So I'm going to tell you something amazing. Why didn't Hashem say on the second day, Kitaev? Because he made a separation. What happened because of the separation is that pure purity, purity is from Shemayim and up. Aretz is Tamei. Aretz is on a much lower level. Malachim, who come from the heavens, they're given a job in purity. When they come down to the world, to earth, they're not, the purity is not pure anymore because they're Adama. Adama, right? Adama, human being comes from the Adama. The Adama is not, is not as perfect because Hashem made a mechitza. He created the heavens to separate him from the Adama. Hashemayim, Shemayim, Hashem. That's, that's Hashem's world. But 
Ha'aretz, that's Levnei Adam. That's already can be, can be filthy, can be, can be not purified, can be defiled. It's Ha'aretz. It belongs to the human being. It's not on that level. So because of that, when a Malach comes to this world, not always does he keep his shlichas correctly. We see in, in Bereshis, in the Nephilim, the Malachim that were thrown out into this world, they ended up being with women and doing the worst of Ares. What do you mean? In Shemayim they were Malachim. In Shemayim they saw Hashem. What are you doing? And the answer is that once they came to earth, the earth is so Tomei, that had a huge effect on them. How do we know that Malachim don't always do their shlichas in this world? We say Friday night, when I die, when I, when after Shalom Aleichem, before Eishas Chayil, so we say, we thank Hashem that everything they does, and we say, Bruchim Heim, Malachecha HaKadoshim, they should be blessed, the holy, the holy and pure Malachim, Sho'oisim Ritzaynecha, that do your will. There are, are there Malachim that don't do your will? Why am I blessing only the Malachim that do Hashem's will? That means that there are Malachim that don't do Hashem's will. So these malachim, they came to your house. Shalom aleichem, So they came down to earth. So they're in the tumah. So we're giving them a special bracha that now you're on earth and, you're in, and you came to my house. Now you're leaving my house. My bracha is to you, malachim tohirim. You, you need a special bracha because you're on earth that you should follow with the shlichas that Hashem gave you. How do we know this? So there's a famous, there's a famous story in Shuas night that was the, the Beis Yosef was learning in Tzfas. So there was a Malach that came. He was called the Magid. And for two nights, the Magid taught the Beis Yosef, his students, Rav Alkabats, the one who wrote the Lachadaydi, he taught them the secrets of Torah. In fact, you can buy the Sefer. It's called the Magid. All the stuff that he taught the Beis Yosef, the Malach, is in the Sefer, the Magid. You will not understand one word. Because it's the Malach from Shemayim who's teaching him Torah from Shemayim. I looked at it. Ah. It's, it's from a different world. Now it's brought down that the Vilna Goyim, who's on a very high level, on a Shavuot night, the Maggit came to him. The same Malach that taught the Beis Yosef in Tzvaz came to him and said, I want to teach you Torah from Shemayim. And the Vilna Goyim said, absolutely not. I will not listen to a word that you have to say. So the Maggit said, what are you talking about? I'm a Malach. And I taught the Beis Yosef. So the Vilna Goyim said, yeah, but the Beis Yosef wasn't Tzvaz. He was in Eretz Yisrael, and he's from way, way back. He says, I live in Chutz Laretz, and in a much worse time, and the world, the whole world, is Tomei. And therefore, listen to this, the Torah that you're bringing from Shemayim that's going to come out of your mouth is going to be Sheker. It's not going to be Emes. What do you mean? He came from Shemayim with the Torah. But since he's giving it to, on earth, and he's in Chutz Laretz, she says, I don't want to hear one word the Vilna Goyen said from your mouth. Well, I don't want you to teach me one word because whatever you're going to teach me is Sheker. It's not real. So we see that in this world, a Malach doesn't always listen because of what the world does to that Malach. So the Morami Prague says that the tree, since its roots are in the Aretz, right? Therefore, it's Yanika, its, its uh, nutrition comes from the Aretz, and therefore the Malach could not fulfill the perfect mission that he had, that the wood of the tree should also taste like the fruit. It, since it's rooted in the Aretz, even though in Shemayim, that was Hashem's commandment, in a perfect world above the waters of Shemayim, it, there's no problem having a tree like that as the Eitz Hadas was like that. 
the fruit tasted like the tree. But on the earth, with the roots in the ground, the Malach could not complete his mission. And it says that when Mashiach comes, the fruit trees, all the regular trees will be fruit trees, and the wood of the fruit trees will end up being like the fruit trees. So he could not accomplish his, the perfect what he wanted to do, but in the end, it will be accomplished. And, and the earth was, was cursed because of that. Even though it wasn't the Malach's fault, but Arura, Arura Hadama, because the Adama didn't fulfill what Hashem asked it to do, therefore when Adam got punished, the earth also got punished. Why? Why did Hashem wait till then? Because as long as the human being is okay, everything else is okay. When the human being is not okay, that's when you have hurricanes, and you have uh, droughts, and you have diseases, and you have plagues. That cannot happen in the world as long as we're doing what we're supposed to. If we're not doing what we're supposed to, then the whole world changes. Okay. So that answers this first part of, of these questions. And the lesson to be learned for all of us is that stuff that doesn't work out is just as good as stuff that does work out. Because the stuff that doesn't work out, you ready? Really worked out. That her shidduch did not work out was the best thing that ever happened to her. That he missed the plane, that he had a flat on the Garden State Parkway on his way to do a mitzvah to a wedding, and he's like, I don't understand. I'm the only guy from the whole chevra that's going to the wedding. Everyone else is going to the movies. I'm going to the wedding. I want to be Mr. Mech the Chassan, and, and, and I get a flat. What he didn't know was that the reason he's being saved, he was supposed to die that night in a car crash, which was 20 minutes down the road. And the reason he's being saved is because he's going to this chasana. And being with Sameach, so Hashem said, how are we going to stop him from being in that point where the Malach Amovis is waiting for him? At exactly 9 o'clock, the Malach Amovis is waiting at the mile marker 167, and that's where the accident is supposed to happen. How are we going to stop that from happening? We give him a flat. At 9 o'clock, the Malach Amovis is waiting. He ain't there. He's back at 187, changing his flat, complaining, Hashem, how could you do this to me? I'm on my way to a wedding. Hello, Hashem just saved your life. You had a blowout and a flat, but that's what, that just saved your life. So, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is saying over here, as HaKol, everything. Everything in life. Now, in, in Dabar HaMelech, and in the Medrash, and in Kabbalah, a person's life is compared to the six days of creation. Each day is considered ten years. And Dabar HaMelech says, I want to live a full life till seventy. Seventy is considered, whatever, for whatever reason, a full life. Baruch Hashem, today people live much longer. But so, so, what it's saying here, Kabbalistically, on the sixth day, which is which is dusk, which is ben ashmash, it's like by biker, when it's night and when it's day, it's like dusk, it's, right? So that's when a person leaves the world, it's called erev and biker, and when does a person leave the world? After Yom HaShishi. Shabbos is the next world. Shishi is a 60, 69 years, 69, 364 day years, till you're 70, is, is this world, and the Shabbos is the next world, when a person goes to the next world. What did Akash Baruch say here in the Torah? Unbelievable. He says that when, when, when a person dies, so he's going to look back at the 70 years that he lived, Vayar, and you're going to see Kol, that everything in your life was not only Toiv, but everything in your life was Toiv Mohi. The failures, the successes, the pain, the happiness, everything that you went through in life was all, not Toiv, but Toiv Mohi. What do we do with the second day? How could Hashem say on the sixth day that he's looking back at all creation? And it was Taiv Mo'id when on the, sixth, the second day he didn't even call it Taiv because there was a Havdalah, there was a separation. So how could Hashem now say that in retrospect it was very good? And the answer is two answers. One, if there was no separation, then the Ruach Elohim would still be Marachefes 
Al-Hamayim, right? He would be hovering. We could not handle being in the same place that God Shekhinah is, and there would be no world. Without that separation, there'd be no human being. So that separation ended up giving us the ability for Hashem to create a world for us to live here on the Oretz. We cannot live in Shemayim. Only spirits can live in Shemayim. Number one. Number two, as the Shem Shempikis always says, that a mechitza doesn't separate. A mechitza brings together. If we were all davening in this room right now, if I was davening with a minion of men, none of you could come into shore. But if I put up a mechitza, now all of a sudden you could come into shore. So did the mechitza keep you out of shore? Or did the mechitza bring you into shore? The mechitza brought you into shore. And how thick does the mechitza have to be? Just, just a, an eighth of an inch thick, a curtain. So a mechitza gives us the ability to live in this world as close as we can get to Hashem, because if there was no mechitza, we'd just burn up. There would be none of us. So Kodesh Baruch Hu said, even the second day when I created Havdalah, and Havdalah is not a good thing, but Havdalah is also a good thing. Because Havdalah, the separation, enables the person to come close the man to come in shul for men and women to down in the same shul. You need a mechitza. No mechitza, they can't come into the shul altogether. So mechitza doesn't keep you away. Mechitza brings you close. So Kosh Baruch said, at the end of it, even though I didn't say kitoiv on the day I did it, but at the end of it, looking back at everything, everything, even the day that wasn't good, is the best day. And that's a lesson in life that I talk about all the time. And that when you go through stuff, you can use all that stuff to make it better. There's two people walking into a room, the light's off. Two girls walk into a room, the light's off. They're in seminary. So one of them says to the other one, Ugh! I hate darkness. It's dreary, depressing, cold. I just hate it. I don't know why we need to be in a dark room. I hate this, I hate this, I hate this. And she goes into the whole thing, the whole speech on how she hates darkness. The other friend's looking at her like, what is wrong with you? She flips on the light. She says, if you hate darkness, instead of standing here and fetching, complaining, just flip on the light. No. Some people would rather not flip on the light and stand in the darkness and fetch. So we say no. Just the opposite. You got you to make a difference. If the position that you're in, instead of complaining about it, change it. Change it. Don't stand there and fetch about it. Change it. Because Welcher brought the light. No, he needed a change. He took it out. So he's teaching us that sometimes you do something and you have to change it. Proactive. Proactive, reactive, <laughs> active. You got to be active, right? Because <laughs> Baruch Hu, that's the lesson. It's a very big lesson. Otherwise, Hashem, God could have done everything perfect, right? And, and there would be no lesson for us. So even the second day, which was a separation, it's a very sad thing. I was by a get. I, and I'm not opening any wounds. I don't know any, you know, I don't know the lives of the people sitting in front of me and the people watching and the people listening. But I was by a get. And I was the one that was pushing for this get, big time, to get this girl out of this marriage. She had to get out of this marriage. At the end of the get, right, it's a very sad thing. You stand there in bed and it's, it's a very sad thing. So at the end of the get, the Dayanim, right, after they take the whole thing, eh, Dayanim say to her, Mazel Tov. I'm like, well, that's a little heavy. I mean, she just got a divorce, right? And they're saying, Mazel Tov. Why Mazel Tov? Because this wasn't working. 
So Hashem gave us a havdalah, a way to get out of it. So if it wasn't working and someone was being hurt, and now she's free of that hurt, it's a mazel tov. So even a get krisos, a get that separates, sometimes that is what you need. Right? Sometimes you need a surgery. Sometimes you need to cut things off. Surgery is no. Cutting things off is a terrible thing, right? But sometimes that saves the rest of the body. So this havdalah that Hashem did on the second day saved the rest of the world. Gave the world an ability to, to, to be in existence. Okay. So that, that's on, that's on Pasha's Voracious. And I want to talk a little bit about, a little bit about Pasha's Noach. So the question is like this. The question is, rain, this week's Pasha, so it rained for 40 days, 40 nights, and the world was covered with water. The question is, we know that rain is a bracha. Rain is a beautiful thing. Flowers, if you don't have no rain, nothing grows, right? Why would Hashem destroy the world with a simon bracha? Bring a fire. Huge fire. Bring a, I got an easy one. If I was God, right? I'm not. Don't want his job. All day long, everyone just complains. No one's happy. So, one, it's an interesting thing. I've asked in my school, is anybody jealous of God? I got 31 no's. Nobody's jealous of God. I'm jealous of this rock star. I'm jealous of this musician. Nobody. I was like, wow, he has such a tough job. Nobody wants it. Right? You think, uh, God, eh? Uh-uh. Nobody's jealous of God. So, the question is, but if I was God, right, I would have destroyed the world in a much easier way. I would have had an asteroid, right, or a meteor, right? Because that's what they, they made a big movie about the meteor that's going to hit Earth in the year 2000. And people started calling me, Rabbi Wallerstein, is Mashiach coming before then? They made a movie, the meteor's going to hit in, in 2015. I'm like, are you asking me a stupid question like that? Is Mashiach going to come forward because you went to a movie about a meteor? That's, hello, Right? But if a meteor hits Earth, that's it, we're done. It hits the ocean, right? If you, if the, in the movie, I didn't watch it, but I heard about it. The meteor hits the ocean, and once it hits the ocean, all the water of the ocean, because it hits the ocean, comes out of the ocean, and you have this great tsunami, and it covers the whole Earth, and everyone's done. And, and, and the only thing that's left sticking out of the water is, is the Statue of Liberty from the, from, the, from, the, from the planet of the apes, right? And, and that's a great movie, and everyone loves it, you know? That's it. So why didn't Hashem do that? What's 40 Days of Rain? Hello? So we know one of the reasons is he wanted them to do tshuva. That would have been boom and out. It's raining. Noah's coming to tell you, listen, it's going to rain for 40 days and you're all going to drown. I don't believe it. It's sunny. It's beautiful. What are you talking about? I understand that. You know, you come and tell me doomsday and the sun's out. But then the first day it rains, I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, it's raining. Okay, it always rains. Second day, third day, fifth day, eighth day. By that time, I'm like, I'm a little bit nervous. They weren't. So one of the reasons Hashem used rain because it was a slow process. But the Misa, rain is bracha. Why would Hashem destroy the world with rain? Specifically rain. That's why it says, by the way, the, the Mabel was in Cheshvan, I believe, and that it rains a lot in Cheshvan. It has to do with it. If it rains at the same time, it's, it's going to rain a whole winter, whatever. Okay, I don't, I don't believe that. I, I think that's just an old wives' tale, but whatever. Like when the groundhog comes out. But there's such a, there's such a wives' tale. Now, Listen to this. On the third day, this is amazing, this is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful shot. On the third day of creation, 
It says the following. The ground gave up greens and, and vegetation. The ate of the pre and the trees made fruit. Hashem saw it was good. That was the third day. The third day Hashem created all the green in the world. Trees, grasses, flowers, everything. And it happened, says the Torah, and Hashem was happy, third day. Now, you go to the sixth day, and it says the following on the sixth day, before the human being was created, Ela told us HaShemayim V'Ha'aretz, these are the, the children of Shemayim V'Aretz, whatever that means, Bihi Baram, Bihi Ma'asad all the greens of the field, Terem Ba'aretz, on the sixth day, there was no grass yet in the field. It wasn't here yet. B'chol Esav HaSadah, Terem Yitzmach, all the flowers and trees, were not here yet. What are you talking about? The Torah said, on the third day, ask any kid, what was created on the third day? Flowers and trees, flowers and trees. All my grandchildren know that. Flowers and trees. Now on the sixth day you're telling me, there were no flowers and trees. Make up your mind. Were they created on the third day or not? And it says on the third day that Hashem saw the flowers and trees and said they're good. So how can you tell me on the sixth day before Adam was created that there were no flowers and trees? Goes on the passing and says, why weren't there flowers and trees? If you, if you, if you create a person, so when, when, there should be everything in the house for him, right? Oh, Hashem created a person and there's no trees and no flowers. He's living in a desert. He should be born into a, a complete world, right? So the Torah tells us why not. Why not? Because it didn't rain. So since it didn't rain, nothing grew. And there was no human being to work the ground. Number one, the human being, girls, was not supposed to work the ground. We only got a punishment after we did the Aveira, which happened later, Erev Shabbos, that we have to work the ground. So why is Hashem saying over here, there are no greens in the world because I'm waiting for it to rain so people can work the ground. We weren't supposed, that's, a, that's a curse. We weren't supposed to work the ground at this point. What's this working the ground? What's this working the ground before the Aveira? There was no working the ground before the Aveira. So Rashi answers, a beautiful answer. And he says that what happened on the third day, on the third day everything, this is a very important lesson. On the third day everything grew under the ground Till an eighth of an inch of the surface of the ground, there were ten foot trees underneath the, eighth, the surface of the ground. But nothing broke the surface. All the, the green in the world was fully grown, but it didn't break the surface of the earth. It was ready. Shem said, if I do everything for him, and many of us parents feel the same way, if I do everything for him, he's going to be created, and there's going to be trees and animals and fruits and everything. What's going to be our connection? What's going to be our relationship? The word one-way relationship is an oxymoron. You can't have a one-way relationship. One way is not a relationship. There is no such relationship. It's got to be give and give. So our Kodesh Baruch Hu said, if he's going to be created and everything's going to be here, and everything's going to be ready for him, I'm not connected to him. He walked into a restaurant and all the food was there. There's no connection. I want to be connected to the human being. I created him on the sixth day. I want, to be, I want to have a connection, but I don't want him to wait till everything grows. So you know what? On the third day, I'm doing everything till the surface. Then I'm going to create him. He's going to be looking at an earth with nothing on it. He's going to say, Hashem, 
please bring me, please bring rain so that it could grow. Hashem's going to make the first rain come down. What's going to happen in the first rain? It's going to hit the ground, and the minute it hits the ground, in one second, all the green that grew on the third day till the surface going to pop out of the surface and in one second you're going to have 10 foot trees and 20 foot redwoods and 40 foot trees and flowers that are, everything's going to be there so Hashem said what was the work that man had to do to make things grow before he ate from the Eitanas tefillah prayer that's why prayer is called avona. so the connection that we have for Hashem our whole connection to Hashem in the first day of creation was through, through, and, tefillah and, rain. And rain. What are we daven for? Daven for rain. So the whole connection between the human and God was through praying for rain. Hashem said, and you took that connection and severed it and cut it, and serve that void Zorah, and steal, and commit adultery, the rain that connected us, is going to destroy you, Mida, Kenegad, Mida. Because God works Mida, Kenegad, Mida. The rain that I was waiting for, that we should be connected, is now going to be the same rain that connected us, is going to be the rain that's going to destroy you. And that's why Hashem used Geshem. But he said, I'm going to do it for 40 days. I'm going to give you time to reconnect to me. And they didn't. And the water went above the highest mountain. And the Zayar says, why water? Because the, the, the whole world was so tame like it is today. The world is tame today. The world is tame. Roses don't smell. Go buy a nectarine. See what it tastes like. I, when I was growing up, fruit had a taste. Today, today it's waxed. It's shiny. It looks great. It has no taste. I'm trying all the time to find roses that smell. They're perfect roses. They're beautiful. No smell. You're lucky if you find the flappish wild roses that are going to someone's lawn. No one even knows what a rose smells like anymore. You've got to buy rose scent. And then sprinkle it on your flowers to make it smell like a, real, a rose. Because <laughs> the earth is tame. All the avarice that, that the human being is doing is destroying. Yes. Yes, the ecology is falling apart. They're right. It is falling apart, and there is global warming. 100%. It's being warmed by... Thank you, Shukran. It's being warmed by the avarice that the human being is doing. So Hashem said, i got to take the whole world, and i got to put it into a mikvah. And therefore, the Torah tells us in Pashas Noach that there wasn't one blade of grass, one tree, one mountain that was sticking out out of the water, that the highest mountain had to be covered. Just like a woman or a man goes to the mikvah, she can't have any hair sticking out of the water, or it's mamish nothing. Everything has to be in the water because Baruch Hu says, took the world, took the earth, took the globe and stuck it into a mikvah. How do you know? 40 days equals 40 saw. 40 saw is the measurement of what a mikvah has to have. Everything was 40, 40, 40, 40. Rain for 40, stop for 40. Everything was 40, 40 because a mikvah's basis is 40 saw of water. But the world was so tame that the rain was not enough. On Pesach, if you want to use your silverware, your, 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 your chametz stick of silverware, on Pesach, you put it into the mikvah, it doesn't help. You have to kasher it. You have to put it into a pot where the water is bubbling, where it's boiling. The world was so tummy that not only Hashem had to put it in the mikvah, he had to open the tahoim that the water were boiling so that the earth was not only in a mikvah, but it was also being kasher at the same time. 
That's how Tomei the world had become. And they didn't learn a lesson. And they didn't learn a lesson. A very Kabbalistic approach happened today. You know, usually the day of a shear, something happens that's meant for this year. So there was one of my high school girls, young, young girl, was sitting in front of me today. I was talking to her. She never cried in her whole life. She's a tough street kid. She don't cry. And she told me today, I, 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 I need to leave your school. I can't stay in your school anymore. I'm like, why? It's going, it's going bad? Uh, she said, I started crying. I never cried before. I started crying. I, I, I don't want I, I to feel those emotions. I, you, you're too good. It's, it's too comfortable. You, you're too nice. It's, it's, it's no good. I need out. I said, you never cried before? No, I don't cry. She says, now all of a sudden I'm like a woman. I'm crying. I'm like a girl. I don't want to be a girl. That's not, I don't want to be like girly. You know, I don't, I don't want to cry. I'm like, no. You need to cry. The cry of a woman is her crying. So I told her the following. In Kabbalah, it teaches that every, well, not in Kabbalah, it says that everywhere, we know that every person is a whole world. Each person is considered a whole world. So when you go through the human parts of a, of a, of a human being, in, in Kabbalah, it's very, it goes through the human parts and desire, new it, and they even use it in medical, in med- medicine, in, in holistic medicine, that every part of a person's body is a part of the world. Different parts of your body are different parts. Hot zones, cold zones, tepid zones, humid zones, things that need more water, parts of your body that need less water, that water is no good. A desert, there's desert in your body, there's heat, there's fever. The, a person's human body is a mamasha whole world. From your head up, it's called, in the, in the Zohar, it's called Shamayim. Shamayim. From your head up, it's called the heavens. From your neck down, it's called, from your chin down, it's called the Aretz. The Pasuk says in the Chomish, V'ha'aretz tatsei desha. And the land gave forth plants. So the Zohar says that from your shoulders down, your body just gives out. It gives out. You go to the bathroom, right? It gives the liquids out. From your shoulders down, the body, your body motions, the things that your body do, does, is it excretes. It sends stuff out, like the arets. The arets, things grow from, things come out of. So from your body, from your shoulder down, things come out of. Shamayim takes in. The highest part of your Shemayim is what organ? Your eyes. Your eyes only take in. Nothing comes out of your eyes, right? I mean, the teardrops don't come out of your eyes. They come out of tear ducts. Your eyes take in. You can't project. You can't stand and say, okay, watch the movie. I'm about to project out of my eyes. Your eyes take in because your eyes are Shemayim. Your ears take in. Your ears are Shemayim. Your nose smells, takes in. Your nose, right? The smell goes in. You, you can't smell out, right? So... Is also part of Shemayim. Your mouth, your mouth is where the bridge is. The bridge is in your mouth. Your mouth flips everything. Shemayim, right? Spirituality, Shemayim, this part of it takes in. Oretz gives out. In your mouth, your mouth takes in the physical, right? Takes in the physical, and your mouth gives out the spiritual, the opposite. Again, your eyes. What? If you don't speak Lashon Hara, right? So, so your mouth is doing both. It is the bridge between Shemayim and Aretz. Shemayim takes in, Aretz gives out. Your mouth does both. It takes in food, and it gives out words. So it's the bridge, and and that's why Mitzrayim 
right? And that's why Hashem created that shechita, when you shecht an animal, right? How do you kill an animal? You shoot it in the head, you can't eat it. Right? You can't eat it. Any other way, the way, what do you do shechita? You sever, you sever, you cut the shemayim and aretz. When you separate in a, in a physical body, shemayim and aretz, it cannot live. You cannot cut off a human being's head and he'll walk around alive. You can cut off his arms, you can cut off his legs, you can cut off an ear, you can cut off his nose, you can pop out an eye. But if you cut him in the neck, if you cut him in the neck, where the bridge is between Shemayim and Aretz, you can't live. Because a world has to have Shemayim and Aretz. What does the Torah tell us in Barashas? Bara is a Shemayim, the Aretz. So in a world, if there's not a Shemayim and Aretz, they're separated, totally severed, that's Shechita. That's person's, person, that's death. Now, listen, this is very, very deep. This is what I told the girl today. What was the connection that Hashem was waiting to make things grow? Rain. The tears. Where does rain come from? So the Medrash says, rain comes from Shemayim. Food comes from Aretz. In the Midbar, it went the other way around. Water came from the Aretz, from Miriam's rock, and, 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 and food came from Shemayim. It was the opposite for those 40 years. But normally, right? Therefore, your head, from your, from your, shoulder, from your neck up, is Shemayim. So the tears that come out of a woman's eyes, or anyone's eyes, is the, is the Geshem, is the wine, is the water, is the rain. The rain was the first connection where Hashem said, to bring potential to fruition, you have to have rain. Tears. The only door, the only gate in the next world that's never closed is the gate of tears. Because that's the Geshem. That's the rain of the human being, of his Shemayim. So I said to her, I said, you're so lucky. It's raining. You're raining. You're crying. Until now, you had the problem that Adam had. The earth, the world, your world was dry. The potential was all there. But without crying, potential will never happen. Crying doesn't mean sad. Crying to Hashem doesn't mean you're sad. It's a, it's, it's a way of connecting, you know. I saw someone get off the air, airplane and they were hugging and kissing and they were crying. They weren't crying because they were in pain. They were crying because they didn't see their mother for 25 years. So that, those tears were not tears of pain. They were tears of connection. Right? A mother sees her, her baby for the first time. They put it in her hands. She's crying. She's in pain. Not in pain. She's crying. Oh my gosh. The first time I'm connecting to my, to my child. There's a reason for tears. So I said to her, you're raining. From rain. From Shemaim. Your Shemaim. From your eyes. can only come good stuff. It's a very important thing to know. And women are the ones that cry. They cry over... Their kid, you know, missed the bus. They're crying. They're crying. And that's very important. They open those gates. That crying is your Geshem. Is, is your Geshem bracha that we stand there and we pay $100,000 to get psicha le Geshem. A woman can get that psicha anytime in two seconds. She can just start crying to Hashem and just connect to HaKadosh Baruch I want to end. I spoke about this a little bit before, but it, it's, it's very, very important. So, so, I'm not giving you the hour, 40-minute show that I, even though it's about an hour and 10 minutes, that I gave last night. There was a lot of things about wine and drinking and, and madrash and whatever. I don't, I, don't need to t- I don't need to talk to women about it. 
But there is something I did not say last night that I'd like to say to you. Because I think it's more a girl-woman problem than it is a man problem. So, so we're hunters, you know. The guys are hunters, and, and that's how Hashem created us. And we need Torah and mitzvahs and tefillin and tzitzes and all our mitzvahs to keep us from attacking and destroying every woman and every person in the whole world. So Hashem gave us the Torah and He gave us mitzvahs. And, and, and the person who keeps Torah and mitzvahs is, is in control. But if not, we're out of control. And we're hunters. Our job is we hunt. We're looking. We're missing. Hashem took something away from us and he created a woman. And we're always looking for women to replace the thing that he took away from us. So that's why a man's allowed to marry more than one woman. Halachically, until we had a cherem. They still they killed each other. But that's the man. The man is the hunter. Now, the hunter, many times the rules change. Right? You keep trapping a deer. He gets... After a while, they get smart that it's a trap. So he changes the trap. He changes the area. You know, I once saw one of these traps. It's the most, it's the most painful thing. I was in the woods next to a camp, and they had what's called a deer trap. And what it is is they take a patch of grass in the middle of the woods, put out this beautiful patch of grass, and then they have these, this ladder that goes up the, like a tree, like 20 feet up a tree, and there's a platform, and the hunter stands up there with a gun. The deer comes. He sees the grass. He puts his beautiful neck down and starts munching on the grass, and they blow the deer's head off. That's a hunter, right? He sets him up. It's awful, right? It's a tra- like, you, you're, you're brilliant, you know? You have a gun, and, and you have a scope, right? And you're 20 feet above the poor thing, and you're not giving it a chance, and you blow its head off. Like, wow, I'm so proud of you. Like, you're so brave. Let me go see you get him with a bow and arrow while he's going at 40 miles an hour. Then, then I got, you know, you're an Indian, and you hit a deer at 40 miles. Then we got something to talk about. What, what is this? It's a massacre, right? Well, guys are hunters, too. So as the generation changed, in my generation, there was one way of hitting on a girl, Right? Very different than the way guys hit on girls today. Today, it's a new thing. Brilliant. They tell the girl that since I met you, I'm mamish becoming from. So while they're not being shamanigia, he's telling her, I just want you to know, we may not be shamanigia, but I want you to know that, that I never used to put on tefillin. But now that since the two of us are going out, I put on tefillin every morning. And she's like, wow, look Hashem, what I did. I got him to put on tefillin. Meshuggah, no. You're not being shamanigia. What'd you do? Right? But no. And then, because of you, I keep Shabbos. Because of you, I became from. I used to hang out with 20 girls. Now it's only you. And the girl, you know, every girl has that maternal instinct that she wants to take care of somebody. So how does a 16-year-old girl take care of somebody, right? So all of a sudden, she has this boyfriend, who 18-year-old guy, who she mamish made him a from yid. Ah, you're not shemini gear. So this one yeshiva, I told you. I know there's one school where 60% of the boys are woken up in the morning. For Shachris, the, the, the mashkiach can't get them up. Nobody can get them up. They're woken up by their girlfriends. They call them up. Chaim, I'm not going to go out with you Saturday night to the club if you don't get up for shakas. I'm getting up. I'm getting up. I'm getting up. I'm getting up. We call it the Frumiye Tzahara. It's called the Frumiye Tzahara. That you think you're doing a mitzvah while you're doing the biggest Avera. In the name of God, right? What does it say? The road to hell is paved with good intentions. You understand? It's all about, yeah, I'm doing the, the right thing. But Lamaisa, you know, you're not doing the right thing. So it's called, we call it the Fruma Religious Yetzahara. When was this Yetzahara created? We know when the Yetzahara was created. But when was the Fruma Yetzahara created? The same time that the Yetzahara was created. The exact same moment. Let me tell you something I saw in a Sefer that is mind-boggling. How did Chava eat from the Yetzahara? Chava was created by the hands of God. She had no belly button. She wasn't connected to her mother ever, right? She was created by Hashem's hands. How does a being that's created by Hashem's hand end up doing the one Avera that Hashem told her not to do? She came up with an amazing idea. In the Torah, if you look in the Pesukim, 
the Nachosh came to Chava and he said, if you eat from the tree, you will know the difference between good and bad and then you will be like God. That's what he told her, right? If you eat from the tree, you'll know between good and bad and you'll be like God. Chava said, oh my goodness. Everyone's going to learn the Torah and going to see that the Nachosh is walking around saying that if you want to be like God, the difference between a human being and God is what? What's the difference between a human being and God? Eating a fruit from a tree. She said, that's not true. That's not true. Eating from a tree is not going to make you God. But people are going to read this and they're going to see that eating from a tree makes you like God. So I am going to sacrifice myself. I am going to eat from the tree and I am going to show everybody that eating from a tree does not make you God. And not only that, it's going to cause me to die and I'm going to die and all the other human beings are going to see that I died and they're all going to know that the Nachash who's going around telling the difference between a human and a God is a fruit. I'm going to prove him wrong. So she ate from the eight Hadas not to do an Avera but to do a mitzvah. To make a Kiddush Hashem. She ate from the eight Hadas to make a Kiddush Hashem to show the world the Nachash is a liar. The difference between God and a human is not a tree. So why did you get punished? He, and it says that he agreed with her. They both ate together. They wanted to show the world that a man or a woman who eats from the tree doesn't become God. So why did they get punished? They were from, right? They did the right thing. The answer is, if Hashem gives you a commandment, don't you make a decision what he really wants. He said, don't eat from the tree. Don't worry about what the Nachash is saying about me. The Nachash only said what he said, that you'll be like God. He created that whole rumor so that she would eat from the tree to dispel the rumor. The whole thing was a setup. So the Yetzirah that went into her from eating from the tree was actually the from Yetzirah. Because the whole sin was done to save God's name. So that Yetzirah that we live with all the time, sure I told a bad report, on this girl to the Shatchin because I want to save the boy. I'm such a Tadek and stuff. I'm so worried about the boy. Baloney. You don't like this girl. You want to, you want to, you want to bury her. Baloney, you did it for her good. So this, this Mida of, of doing bad things in the name of God was created from the actual sin of the first sin that Chava did. And that's, you have to be so careful you have to follow what the Shulchan Aruch says. It is not your job to make boys wear tefillin and to make boys keep Shabbos. It's your job to be Shemini Gia. It's your job not to be texting boys. It's your job. The Halacha says you're not allowed to talk to boys. You're not allowed to be with boys. It's going to end up being a bad thing. What are you doing? So you're saying, but it's going to come out of mitzvah. It's going to come out of good thing. That's not for you to say, said Hashem. Really, Hashem should have rewarded Chava. Wow, what a tzaddik is No. No, not a tzaddikista. I said you're not allowed to do it. The Makaishis ate him. The man who cut wood on Shabbos to teach the Jews the punishment. Moshe Rabbeinu said, what do I do? How can I punish him? He did it to do a Kiddush Hashem. Hashem said, he was over with Adim. He was in Chal Shabbos. The punishment is death. The rules are the rules. You can't bend the rules in the name of God. The rules are the rules. And therefore, Chava and Adam got punished. And I definitely feel that the Frum Yetzirah, this religious Yetzirah, is much more dangerous 
than the real Yetzirah. Because the real Yetzirah, what is he going to do? Tell you, do a big Avera, you're going to think, get out of my face, what are you talking about? It's a from Yetzirah, when you think you're doing, say, yeah, i got to talk to this lady, she's very depressed, and, and, you know, we'll go out for tea, and I understand her problems, I went through the same stuff, and then you have adultery from, from two religious families, you have a terrible Avera, a terrible sin, that started really, really righteous. Really with the right idea, really. He really wanted to, to help her. That's just a trick. That's just a trap. You're that deer walking up to the grass. You're totally just standing up there to blow your head off. If it's wrong, it's wrong. Even if good stuff comes out of it, it's still wrong. Even though she made a kid Hashem, now everyone knew that eating from the tree doesn't make you God. doesn't matter. You did the wrong thing. Okay. So my bracha to everyone is that Bezrat Hashem. You want to read a poem? Really? At the end of the shir? It's that early. Okay. Just give me one minute and we'll let you read your poem. Uh, my bracha to everybody is, before Nancy reads her poem, by the way, I don't know if you saw, but out of Vina Malkano, her poem was printed um, in, in all the booklets that were given out, and I got some big compliments on it. It was very, very beautiful. You're very welcome. You're very welcome. So my bracha, my bracha to you, Nancy, and to everybody in this room and everybody who's watching, uh, is that there's Rat Hashem, the Or Haganos, the hidden light, that Hashem put away after 36 hours. We should be all zaycheh to see it when he brings it back at the, at the, at the meal, at the su'uda of the Yasan, when Mashiach comes, Bimhera. Yemenu, can you believe it? It's 9.30 and you can go home. Okay. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.